Welcome to Reset with Amber Lyon. This is a special show brought to you live from the Amazon jungle just outside Iquitos, Peru. I've been down here in the jungle just absorbing knowledge from nature, researching plant medicines, and really learning ways that we can help improve our lives and, and our own personal health. I've had tremendous personal healing down here uh, just from the use of ayahuasca and another psychedelic known as Wachuma, which I'll get into uh, more in detail in later podcasts and also discuss a little bit in this podcast. But today I wanted to bring you a special guest and share some knowledge from a friend I met down here named Dr. Dan Engel. Uh, Dan is a holistic psychiatrist. He's worked for more than a decade to help people get off prescription medications and follow a more natural path. Something I noticed as a journalist spending nearly a decade investigating prescription drug abuse and prescription drug addiction is that we are facing an epidemic in the United States and it's not necessarily addictions and reliance on alcohol, tobacco and typical drugs like crack cocaine and heroin. It's really become a dependency on prescription medications. And I, I think a lot of us, something I've noticed just through my research in the field, are using these medicines not necessarily because we 100% need them, but also kind of using them as a crutch, as, as a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, an easy way out, uh, medications that we don't necessarily need if we were to look at more natural ways of healing and really focus on ways to make ourselves more happy by, by just changing our lifestyles in general. Uh, Dr. Dan was a medical director at the Alternative to Med Center and the Sanctuary and the Rejuvenation and Performance Institute all in Sedona, Arizona. And now he's been down here with me researching plant medicines and finding even more ways to help people get off these prescription medications and turn to a more natural, sustainable route for healing. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's super, super sweet to be here, too. Great privilege. So you call yourself, you're a psychiatrist, and you call yourself a physician of the soul. Can you uh, explain that for us? Yeah, the, the root of psychiatry, and that's my background. Uh, I did a residency in psychiatry, and then I did two fellowships, one in forensic psychiatry and one in child psychiatry. And the root of our profession as psychiatrists is um, a physician for the soul. Psyche means soul. And at the table of the medical professions, the psychiatrists historically are the spokespersons for the soul. They're the ones that are keeping in mind that there is a mind-body-spirit continuum and connection. And the, the honor is to be the one to consistently investigate what are the more subtle implications of what's happening in the mind, in the heart, in the soul, in the spirit that is potentially out of balance and contributing to the symptoms that the body expresses. All the other um, professions in medicine are geared towards the body. Pediatrics, internal medicine, surgery, OB-GYN, family practice they're more oriented to what the body's expressing itself. So we need to have a spokesperson for what's happening in the more subtle planes. And psychiatry has largely lost, modern psychiatry has largely lost that sacred role. Uh, we as psychiatrists now are trained so much more in psychopharmacology and um, less and less about the mind-body 
continuum. There are integrative um, psychiatric classes that are shared in residency and fellowship, but the amount of information that we study through the allopathic medical training, particularly as psychiatrists, is so much more geared towards uh, medication intervention. It's like maybe 90 to 95% of the information that we are offered is medication oriented. And that's what it seems like anytime I've gone to a psychiatrist appointment, it seems like it's more just evaluating what your symptoms are and then throwing you, writing you out a prescription for a, a medication versus getting to the actual cause of, of why. Why are you facing depression? Why are you facing anxiety? Why, why is your soul in need of healing? Right. And, you know, it's largely um, out of ignorance, really. Um, because we're not taught in our training how to address issues in a more holistic way, in a more natural way, uh, to understand the core related um, contributing factors that uh, lead to symptom expression. And so that might be, for example, a genetic weakness in one of the detoxification pathways that somebody might have. And that's a genetic issue from birth out the gate. And yes, there's genetics and there's epigenetics and we can talk about epigenetics and essentially genetics is like your hardware and epigenetics, the epigenetic influences are like your software. So the epigenetic influences from the environment, largely mind states too, um, but also how we live our lives, that largely tells which genes to turn on and which genes to turn off. But if you have a genetic weakness in a particular detoxification pathway, it means that you either have both uh, from mother's line and dad's line a genetic weakness for that detoxification pathway. And that means you have very little ability to express a healthy detoxification pathway and therefore get rid of toxins. Or you might be what's called heterozygous when you have one, so to speak, good trait and one not so good trait about that detox pathway, so you're compromised. In an ideal situation, we would express both healthy genes for a particular detox pathway, and then we would be able to effectively clear the body of the toxins that come into the system. So there are a variety of symptoms that stir from problems with detoxification. Um, for example, um, Alzheimer's is very much connected to aluminum toxicity. This is just one example with, with uh, Alzheimer's and the dementia profiles being the next epidemic. The, the, the title or one of the secondary titles for Alzheimer's disease is type 3 diabetes because you're seeing what happens in the body express itself in the mind, in the brain. And I, I lost, well, I, I didn't lose. Um, I had the privilege of um, being connected to two of my grandparents as they transitioned uh, out of their bodies um, with a severe symptomatology of Alzheimer's disease. Um, both parents on my mom's side passed away with um, severe Alzheimer's symptoms. And when you watch somebody go through that, you recognize what the, the long-term implications of brain toxicity is. Um, the mind shuts down, the there's less consciousness present. Um, and 
And and then on my dad's side, um, his dad passed away with Parkinson's disease. So three out of four of my grandparents passed away with neurodegenerative conditions. And I recognized about 10 years ago, once I started this passive holistic medicine, I started appreciating the fact that my short-term memory and um, long-term recall had been compromised, as well as focus, attention, concentration. And I was also developing narcolepsy. I was diagnosed with narcolepsy in medical school. And this is all from the buildup of pollutants and heavy metals in the environment. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that they, they want to blame themselves, but there's also external factors that are leading to mental totally. illness. Totally. And yes, there was something from the environment that was contributing to it, but it was also at that time, my own personal choices. I was eating a shitty diet, um, lots of gluten, lots of dairy, lots of preservative foods. I wasn't sleeping well. It's hard to sleep when you're in the midst of medical training anyway. Um, uh, I had a tendency to really push the envelope and, and burn the candle at both ends. Um, so I, and my, my motto used to be nothing in moderation. So I'd work hard and play hard. And, um, and I was drinking alcohol and I was smoking pot. So all of these things were significantly contributing to my mental health. And so when I cleaned house, went completely sober, got on organic, whole food-based diet, started getting good sleep, I didn't have narcolepsy anymore. And therefore, I didn't need to take the stimulant medication I was prescribed. It was something like Ritalin. I took it for like three or four years, and then I realized, what am I doing, and what's the long-term outcome? I'm going to be stuck on this medication for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. No. And and that rebel in me got really activated. And I'm not going to be dependent on anything except, you know, myself, my connection to the earth, and my connection to source. And so I cleaned up shop, and I saw the symptoms go away. And I started taking high-quality um, targeted supplementation. And that things like um, ginkgo, CoQ10, B vitamins, um, targeted amino acids. And I saw my my mind and my brain function go from like a slow moving tank to a sports car. And now I drive my brain like a sports car. And um, I'm looking forward to driving it like a a, a jet. <laughs> you know? I, I think many of us, if we open our medicine cabinets, we have, I mean, some people have more than 10 medications that they take on a, on a daily basis. And you have to wonder, is that necessary? Do you really need 10 different medications? No. And, and some of those that worry me uh, based on research I've done are uh, antidepressants. Yeah. And, and I think that you're, you're shaking your head. I, I definitely see totally. that that's a concern for you. I, I think that many of us are taking antidepressants when we don't necessarily need them, when lifestyle changes, diet changes can actually help take care of the depression and really help you come out of that. What are your concerns about antidepressants? Because you're obviously taking this holistic path. You're, you're very passionate about natural medicines. I don't mm -hmm. see you really evangelizing for prescription uh, antidepressants. Mm -hmm. So, so why, why, what are your fears about those medicines? It's um, a great question. I haven't thought about it so much as what my fear is in regards to those medications collectively like to the, the humanity. And um, I'll just share a personal story and then, and then that'll make more sense, my view on it. Um, I went through a major depression a few years ago. 
and it was a transition in my life. It was um, exactly what I needed to go through. And I had the space and the time and the support to go through it. Totally on my own, totally, well not totally on my own, I had a lot of support. Um, and uh, largely spiritual practices and fasting and, and getting quiet and spending a lot of time in nature. Um, I lived in a tent you know, for a year. <laughs> Most people aren't going to do that. Um, so I appreciate the fact that people need to live their lives. And it's a personal choice. And as long as it's a personal choice, then let's honor it. Most people don't appreciate the fact that there are other options. So if you only have a sledgehammer in your tool belt, then you're going to hope that everything functions as a railroad tie. And sometimes you need something like a smaller hammer because you're using some, you, you know, you're, you're going for fine work, fine details, you're looking for a tack, or you need a saw, or you need a level, or you need a screwdriver. I mean, you get the idea that when we have other tools at our disposal, then we become skillful. And then it becomes alchemy. And medications have their place. And I, it, it, would, it wouldn't be fair to the sacred role of pharmaceuticals for me to say that they don't have their place, because they do. Um, allopathic medicine has its place. We're great in the OR. We're great in the ER. We're great in triage medicine. Allopathic medicine has its roots on the battlefield. And many people experience life as a battlefield. And they don't know that there are other options. They don't know where to turn. Um, and this movement in holistic psychiatry is largely based on a consumer-driven movement. Most consumers of medications and the allopathic model are frustrated. It's a broken system. It doesn't work in the way that we've used it as the primary care model. It's a hor allopathic medicine is a horrible primary care model because it does not look at causative factors, symptom support while resolving the underlying issues and long-term prevention. And I had a conversation with an insurance agent once. I was like, why don't insurance companies um, reimburse for preventative healthcare models. It just makes sense. They would save money in the long term. And he said it's because most people stay with one insurance company for between two and four years. So the insurance companies won't recoup the benefit down the road. And it's that kind of model. It's a completely upside down, backwards, ego driven, consumeristic model of healthcare. It's based on profit. And we see what happens in the natural world when our corporate greed takes over common sense. We're the only species on the planet that willfully and consistently makes decisions against its survival. We see what's happening in the Amazon. We see what's happening to much of the rainforest that's getting significantly depleted with something on the order of several dozen, and I think that's a conservative estimate, several dozen different species going extinct every day. 
which is just tragic as we're sitting now on on my porch in this wooden hut surrounded by screens and staring at these beautiful cecropia trees we have blue morpho butterflies flying <laughs> past us and it, it's almost like avatar it's here it's just like avatar here it's so mm-hmm. beautiful and and to think that mankind can actually even conceive of destroying this considering that most of these plants they're here for healing right. they actually want to heal human beings that that's part of their design these plant spirits is is to heal and and rejuvenate us and and to think that we're tearing this down is, is nothing short of tragic mm-hmm. and and when i think too of antidepressants because i have tried them in the past about a decade ago and i i just I felt like it was just numbing me out. I, I felt disassociation mm-hmm. I, uh, on this particular medicine I was given. I, I would be writing in my notebook and I, I'd look at my hand and I, I'd feel like that was someone else's hand writing. And I started noticing the same thing as I was driving and, and it got really scary. And so I decided to get off the medicine after uh, about six weeks or so. And I just went off it on my own, which I, I don't recommend for anyone to do because I started getting almost like Caesar-like shakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that was terrifying. Totally. So then I felt like, luckily I'm stubborn and I pushed through it and I was okay, but... It helps to be stubborn. <laughs> for most people, that would make them scared to even get off the medicine. Right. So now, so now Yeah, and now they're a prisoner to this this medication because it's it's not only a crutch, but but they fear the, the withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. I also read that potentially some antidepressants over the long term reduce your baseline serotonin levels. They do. So you, they do. Could you explain a little more for people? Sure. I don't think people are given the full picture when they're being given these medicines no. as to all of the side effects. And it's very vital for you to understand those before swallowing one of these pills. Totally. Well, first of all, let me co- commend your warrior spirit. <laughs> Thanks. It's one of the things yeah. that I think we can relate to each other on. Yeah, for sure. I've always been a warrior and a fighter, uh, mm-hmm. just trying to help humanity get understand mother nature and and get back on equilibrium with the earth because we're we're losing that and and i think these medicines are prescription some prescription medications are just numbing people out to to the reality totally into the fight you know they're numbing out the warriors exactly now we're getting to the core now we're getting to you asked me my question earlier about fear this is my fear my fear is that these medications numb us out to who we are why we're here and what to do next. They dull our intuition. They dull our sense of connection. Connection to the natural world, connection to each other, connection to our future generations who are going to have to clean up our shit. That's my fear. And I totally get it. Because um, I, you know, I run centers where. I hear these stories all the time and people on medications for years and years and years can't get off it on their own. That's why people come to the centers that I've been affiliated with, not because coming off of medications is easy, they come because coming off medications is hard. Some people are able to do it and push through it and will themselves through it. Um, Oftentimes support will come whether it's recognized or not. You'll just get the sense, wow, I need to stop drinking alcohol and I need to clean up my act. I need to eat better and get good sleep and exercise and the basics. I need to live as we're designed to live. And when we come off the medications, we get a little bit more of that understanding. But the side effects can be scary because the neurochemistry is now 
trying to re-equilibrate from an artificial intervention from the outside. So when antidepressants come in, particularly the, the ones that work on the serotonin system, but this could also be said for the dopamine system, the norepinephrine, epinephrine system, is when there's an intervention pharmaceutically, it's a synthetic material. It artificially upregulates the neurochemistry. That's why initially most people feel better. Feeling better means their symptoms are less. And again, medications have their place. So when somebody is unable to function in life because of intractable depression, anxiety, psychosis, mood stabilization, uh, mood instability, insomnia, these are the big five. When that gets so severe that people aren't able to take care of their basic needs, then you bring in a big intervention like a medication. And that can help numb the symptoms out from being so severe. And this is a large part of what drives um, healthcare practitioners to help ease human suffering. Most of us come into the field not because it's glorious or glamorous or easy uh, or even pays well. It does all of those things too, but primarily I think there's an altruistic intention, a desire to be of support, a, a desire to help ease the burden of the human condition to help ease human suffering and the the marriage of that desire with how we live in our culture drives the use of medication because our culture is largely based on quick fixes and there's a lot of internal judgment that part of the program part of the transgenerational program that came from our parents lines you know, in the 50s and before, you didn't talk about depression. Like, like everybody in my in immediate family is on prescription medication. Wow. <laughs> it says a lot. It says a lot. And, and I and think I, I read one fact that women in their 40s and 50s, about 10% of them, and that's on the low-end estimate, are taking some sort of antidepressant. Potentially 10% of all adults in the United States. Higher. Higher than that. 30%. 30%. 30%. 30%. Of all adults are on a prescription medication. Ten percent are on antidepressants or others or some other kind of psychiatric medication. Over one half will have taken for a substantial period of time a prescription medication in their lifetime. And so the numbers are astounding. And again, if it has its place to, to dull the symptoms enough so that people can start to function again, great, then let's use it as such. Let's honor it in that role while we're looking at the causative factor. And that's something I think it, that has been removed. What's the cause? Which is often underlying trauma that hasn't been processed, traumatic events in our lives. Bingo. We've completely lost our ability in Western society to process these events. And I, I keep saying this over and over on the show. I'm probably driving the listeners nuts. But, but that is often the root cause of a lot of physical and mental ailments. And I, I think, unfortunately, psychiatry has become just masking the symptoms Right. But when does it ever get to, to help processing that cause? Exactly. And this is the resurrection of our collective mission as psychiatrists to be physicians for the soul. And when we're looking at a holistic model, let's paint 
the blueprint. The blueprint for holistic psychiatric intervention in a thorough plan, in a nutshell, has four steps. Detoxification at the right time, at the right level, not too soon. Meaning you have to make sure, first of all, all of your detox channels are open. And that usually means doing, um, for example, uh, at Alternative to Meds. Alternative to Meds, by the way, is a organization that I was mm, privileged to be associated with. I was their medical director uh, up until about uh, three months ago. And um, when it was clear for me that it's time for me to, to, to open up to the next phase in my life. And um, it's the most sophisticated orthomolecular psychiatric rehab program in the Western Hemisphere. There may be some other programs that are as sophisticated in Europe um, and parts of Asia. But largely, from all the centers that I've been affiliated with and researched, they have the most comprehensive model specifically to help people come off of psych meds. So people will go there and just detox right. to, to get off their medicines. Right, and it's four steps. So detoxification, we do a lot of sauna therapy there, um, as well as chelation to particularly target heavy metals. Um, and then a host of other things, um, colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, energy work, um, foot baths, um, clay packs, um, everything to get the detox channels open um, and so you prep by getting the detox channels open and then you start using the detoxifiers that's number one number two is good good food a good diet um, organic whole foods gluten-free dairy-free I think that's the best thing I the most productive thing I've ever done for my body was I had drunk ayahuasca and while I was in the experience the plant medicines told me for those of you that understand ayahuasca this won't sound so crazy but the, the plant medicines and spirits literally told me honey what are you doing <laughs> eating all this gluten and dairy you have to cut that out of your diet that's right. dragging you down completely. it's affecting your hormones it's, it's slowing you down and and so I completely cut those two foods out of my diet and mm. I I feel like the Energizer Bunny now it's almost um <laughs> you are the Energizer Bunny I know a warrior Energizer Bunny with a mission yeah <laughs> anyone that knows me like I, I have so much energy now um yeah. it's almost like it's it's sometimes it can be a little too much but it's a good thing I'll never complain I'd rather have more energy than not but a major factor in that was mm. really focusing on eating organics and cutting out gluten and dairy right and it's let's look at why well uh, gluten and dairy act as um, opiates and they're highly allergenic for most people they set up addictive neurochemistry patterns in the brain so most so many people will if they're suffering if they're in some kind of existential psycho-emotional crisis they'll naturally go to these kinds of foods because it dampens down the experience it's a survival strategy. It makes sense. Again, it's just one tool in the tool belt. And if you don't know what else is available, then people turn to alcohol, they turn to these foods, or they turn to medication. Something to numb the experience. Because we're not taught how to live. We're taught information in our educational system. We're not taught how to live. 
in, in medical school, we were not taught nutrition. How crazy is that? I had eight hours of nutrition in four years of medical school. Completely asinine. So once we understand more and more of the addictive neurochemistry and the, and the, the toxic burden that these foods contribute associated with symptoms, then it just makes sense to clean up the diet. So that's number two. Um, number three is targeted supplementation. And that means specific amino acids, vitamins, minerals, macro and micronutrients, essential fatty acids, specific targeted amino acids. All of these things are necessary in what are called nootropics, which essentially help upregulate the um, neurochemical messenger system and communication pathways. And this is a science. It's an art. And uh, I geek out on it because it's just fascinating for me to understand um, what are the pathways that need to be supported in order for somebody to be able to transition off of their medications effectively. So all three of those are vitally important and all three of those are still only dealing with the physiology. Detoxification, good diet, supplementation, physiology. The fourth piece is probably the most important and that's what you were alluding to before. What are the underlying traumas? What are the underlying psycho-emotional experiences that we've, again, received from our lineage? Because just like hair color and eye color are passed on in the DNA, so are trauma patterns, so are belief systems. That psychic wiring gets incorporated into the genetic code. You can actually see, and they've done studies with vets, when vets go through a traumatic experience, the genetic code changes as a result of that trauma. Again, that's the physical substrate of the emotional imprint in the genetic code that gets passed on generation to generation until it either bleeds out, and part of that is the, the um, Native American um, philosophy ab about our actions affect the next seven generations. Mm -hmm. So you can have a trauma bleed out after successive generations, or you can have it resolved by the coming generation doing their work. So you're saying, say, potentially you come from a Native American background or a background where your family uh, had been victims of the Holocaust or even the Irish potato famine, that can actually change your DNA and make you more prone to be depressed in this lifetime, right. even though you weren't even present for those events. Bingo. So how do you how do you fix that? And that's just one example of transgenerational, the transgenerational patterning of emotional, psycho-emotional trauma is just one example of where we accumulate all of our myriad of um, the psychological makeup and the subconscious material and the shadow. It's also mother culture. All of the programs from our culture that say you have to be um, this and that in order to get status and success and be validated for your worth means I got to have a, a fat wallet and a hot car and the, the model partner and dot, 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 dot. We set up these false substrates about what it means to be successful. Um, it's similar to um, pornography mm. in that pornography is this really like repressed discussion point 
but most people are still engaged in it. Most people are engaged in some level, either historically present or will be, in pornography in some way. And it's and that's just a natural exploration of sexuality. And once we become more conscious and we start to resolve a lot of these traumas, sexuality becomes sacred. But when sexuality is repressed, it becomes this like, ooh, shadow, wrong naughtiness. And we're not we're we're, we're taught to avoid that, but we're gonna do it in private. Let's talk about sexuality healthy in a healthy way. And if somebody's pattern of a healthy sexual relationship is what something they're they're accessing through pornography, then they're going to have all this projection material about their partner, and especially in kind of a a, a patriarchal society, um, it can and oftentimes does subjugate women. And that's not to, I mean it subjugates both men and women because it's highly distortional in and how we can really in a good way relate to each other sexually and intimately. And what's the difference between intimacy and sensuality and sexuality? These are important discussion points that we're not collectively um, campaigning for in our education system. Mm-hmm. That's just an example of things that are super distorted in our cultural thinking. And then you've got tra- you've got childhood trauma. And I notice that's often a common denominator from people I interview who are down here trying plant medicines is that they're they never processed trauma from their childhood and they're just they've been carrying that around their entire lives. It's been in the driver's seat, just causing them hell their whole lives. And and it's such a shame because there are tools out there that we'll get into. We'll talk about uh, in a little bit that that can really help people process that trauma. Very natural tools that mm-hmm. are extremely effective that can do it in a matter totally. of days. Totally. Which is, is so, it gives me Super so much hope. exciting, right? <laughs> it's why I'm here. It's why I started Reset.me because I saw the potential. I, I just couldn't believe that people were being healed in a matter of days or, or weeks and right. for, from traumas that have from haunted them their entire lives. year-long patterns. Years long, maybe lifetime pa- Exactly. And and when you see that, when, you ex- we, when we, ex- I experienced that. So I, did I. Yeah. Right? So this is kind of like another kind of communal engagement and excitement that we have particularly about using these technologies. Mm. Ayahuasca is a technology. The plant spirit medicines are technologies. They're natural technologies with spirit and substance and soul. They're not just electronic technologies that are heartless and just crunch numbers and and the beauty is, uh, many of them in studies that show ayahuasca actually increases your serotonin levels, whereas antidepressants. And how does say, that happen? Yeah. <laughs> we're it's just, magic. It's it's yeah. totally magic, and we're starting to appreciate neurochemically what that magic is. And ayahuasca is extraordinarily powerful as an antidepressant when held in the right way, with people who are knowledgeable, in the right set and setting with the right support in preparation and integration afterwards. When, when all of that is painted, it's extraordinarily beneficial. And again, just like other interventions, it's not for everybody. These mm-hmm. medicines aren't for everybody. For example, if somebody has a history of psychosis or mood instability or dissociation, significant dissociation, as a characterological pattern, these are people who would not do well 
to take l largely. And these, again, this is just a kind of a globalization, but I don't want to put ayahuasca up on a pedestal like everybody is, is a green light for that. There are a few times when it's not helpful. And then people on psychiatric medications, not good to go into an Aya ceremony or even a Wachuma ceremony or most, most of the antheogens, but particularly ayahuasca because of the conflict that ayahuasca works as a natural antidepressant as one of the original antidepressants that came online in the 50s were, were the MAOIs, mm. the monoamine oxidase inhibitors. So what are the monoamine oxidases? Those are your major neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine. What's the monoamine oxidase inhibitor? It's the enzyme that breaks down uh, the, the monoamine oxidase is the enzyme that breaks down those neurotransmitters, the monoamines. So I, I, think, I don't think I said that as clear before. The monoamines are your neurotransmitters. The monoamine oxidase is the enzyme that breaks those down. The antidepressant is the monoamine oxidase inhibitor that inhibits the enzyme for that breakdown. So you get more of the neurochemistry building up. And so that's what psychiatric medication like antidepressants do they inhibit the enzymes for the breakdown of the targeted neurotransmitter and so when they inhibit that enzyme the the system has more of that neurotransmitter available if you're using it synthetically in the form of an antidepressant the body is going to say we've got all of this from the outside we now all of us we had this deficiency right we had this deficiency of serotonin we got used to that it did create symptoms but we're the, the system is always about homeostasis and trying to find balance if you flood the system with extra serotonin the body's going to say oh wow now we have all the serotonin we didn't have much before now we have an excess so let's stop producing our own and, and is that a permanent side effect from these medicines? It can be. Wow. It, it largely reconstitutes over time, and that's what happened with you. You pushed through it. You pushed through it long enough that the system could re-equilibrate. Yeah, and re I'd, only done, I'd only been on the medicine for six weeks. So you think of people who've been on these medicines for years, if not decades. It's, exactly. it's got to be a really scary jump to put down the safety net, to finally take that jump to put your health into your own hands and, and look toward natural medicines. And for, for people listening who might not have the money to travel to Sedona, but are really feeling like something's just not right and these their antidepressant medications aren't working for them and, mm -hmm. and they'd like to explore the natural route, obviously step one is making that decision. Step two is, is starting to, to work to wean yourself off the medications. Can you give people any advice for ways that they could potentially stop taking antidepressants from mm -hmm. home? Just totally. steps that they can take at home if they can't go to one of these centers? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, ideally, have a coach. And ideally, it w um, <laughs> and by, by no means is this a self-promotion. Uh, because um, actually I'm I'm transitioning out of my private practice at least for the foreseeable Ideally, future. Ideally, <laughs> Dr. Dan Ingle, you can reach or me at five five five. Right, right, totally. Or somebody with that with this knowledge base. And and I don't uh, by any means um, um, uh, pretend to have all the answers. Um, I have done a lot of research, 
and I will first and foremost put myself in the laboratory before I recommend anything to any of my clients. And most docs aren't willing to do that because putting themselves in the laboratory with the tools they have available would mean them taking their own medications. And most people don't want to do that. And if it, if somebody's recommending you do something that they don't want to do, that's a sign, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, how many of these psychiatrists are really taking these medicines that they're prescribing? Well, a, a fair number of them, actually. Okay. Because they're themselves going through their own suffering. It's a broken system. Most psychiatrists are actually pretty fed up. Most psychiatrists are actually looking. I, I had a team of six psychiatrists come to ATMC or Alternative to Meds in Sedona um, because they wanted to know what we were doing. And we sat around the table and they asked me, they grilled me. And, and, I, and I'm, I appreciated that. I, I actually like skeptics because it keeps me on task and it keeps me doing the research. And oftentimes skeptics ask great questions that I wouldn't have thought to ask myself. So we sat around the table for a couple of hours and they were just grilling me on how we get people off medications. And after that conversation, they were like, holy shit, who, why isn't this more readily available? Why aren't we talking about this mm-hmm. in our medical training? That's why you're such a badass for being such a pioneer. <laughs> and, and that's what I love about you is that you didn't, you knew something was wrong with the system. And instead of just lo- having fear and losing your courage and continuing to work in this broken system, as so many of us are doing, whether it be in the medical profession in the teaching profession and so many professions in the West, you actually said enough with this. I'm going to go out and figure out a better way. And, and that's what you're doing now. And, mm-hmm. and so for people listening who want to get off these antidepressants, you mm-hmm. say they need to fi- find a guide. Find a, find a coach. Find a coach. And, and the reason I like that terminology, and that's, that's essentially how I function with my clients. Yes, I'm a physician. Um, but first and foremost, I'm a coach. I'm a, I'm a sole coach of sorts in that we're looking at the whole picture and I'm gonna give the clients that I work with some specific tasks and I'm we're gonna make a contract that I'll be there for them and they're still driving the boat I've got the map and I can help steer them in a direction that I think would be helpful but their free will is is driving the ship and if we engage in a plan then we have very clear targets we know what our outcome is and for example if somebody has depression they're on medications and they're still depressed and they've tried to come off and they're having side effects then our very clear outcome measures are improved mood first and foremost even above coming off medication because it's a dance you can push through but for some people that's really disruptive you have to have a warrior spirit you have to have the patience to see it through and most people don't have that um, because again the way our culture is reared now most people can cultivate it so I'm constantly encouraging people find your faith reclaim your faith I think that's probably the most important thing that can be done to come off of these medications to come through the dark night in a good way Um, and that was largely the support that I got when I was that that period of depression was was closer to two years but the intensity of it was a year a year in a tent suicidal depression 
not active, but passive, like for weeks at a time, just holding up my golden life ticket to spirit and saying, if you're ready for me, I'm, I'm ready to go. Wow. And um, in the midst of that, slowly, slowly, slowly started to clarify my walk. And I was recognizing that I was walking through my life and I came to a, a choice point consistently. And that choice point was I could choose my fear or I could choose my faith. And we all have that power. We all have that potential for reclamation of our divinity, of our strength, of our personal empowerment and our personal responsibility. And so I slowly started to claw my way out of that being buoyed up by my faith. And I had some really good people around me, a few really good people who were like signposts for me in the dark night. Keep going this way. Trust the process. Remember your faith. How can people find a, a coach to help them get off their antidepressants or prescription medications that they don't want to take anymore? How on the on the internet? What well, what's the best way for someone I, to connect with? Uh, ideally, there's um, a team. It's to be honest, it's it's not very common for a physician, a psychiatrist, to be casting this type of net. And I appreciate that. Um, I think that we are gaining in numbers. I think um, the psychiatric field is on the side of reclamation. I actually do believe that. Um, we're certainly not in the majority, but I know that the system's broken and it's not a sustainable model. And sustainable models don't last. So this system is not gonna last, which is exciting because then it makes way for the new. So this model that we're outlining, this blueprint for self-reclamation, for self-recovery, is uh, usually requiring a team of people. And how would someone find? So that would be like a team. therapist, okay. a nutritionist, mm -hmm. a holistic psychiatrist to, to manage the supervision of the wean of the medication. But most people are weaning their medications on their own because their psychiatrists don't know how to do it with them. And the physician would be the one leading the team. But because of the system, um, the physicians aren't, they don't have the tools and knowledge to lead the team. So there are a few programs online. There's one called The Road Back. Okay. Which um, I have only researched um, in its kind of blueprint of a step-by-step -step foundational opportunity for people to come off of medications it's very generalized and it's um, kind of a one-size-fits-all model and those don't work for everybody obviously but as far as available models out there I think it's good um, ideally there's a coach helping the person um, keep their motivation help cheerlead them through the process help them navigate it a nutrition a nutritionist that's not based in the FDA food pyramid, but in like Whole Foods recovery, 
there's a great book called um, Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford um, that's a great blueprint for natural healing with foods and herbs. Um, an herbalist, um, so this would be kind of like your also your, your decision tree on practitioners. An herbalist, um, a Chinese medicine practitioner, acupuncturist, um, a naturopath, a chiropractor. There, I had two excellent mentors that were not allopaths, both of whom were chiropractors. Well, I had three excellent mentors. One was a naturopath and two were chiropractors. And I really started understanding how much the naturopaths and the chiropractors know about targeted supplementation and detoxification. And so those became my teachers. So find a naturopath or a chiropractor, network with your available practitioners. I had a full practice in Portland um, without advertisement over about a two-year process, um, just networking with chiropractors and naturopaths. So go to these healers and tell them you're thinking of getting off your prescription medications and ask if they could be your guide or, exactly. or your helper. Exactly, right. And then network with a, with a psychiatrist in the community that can help um, support the process if necessary. So when I started networking with chiropractors and naturopaths, I said, I'm a holistic psychiatrist. I'm helping to get uh, people off medications. Um, any clients that you're having trouble with, find me. And I just started getting floods of clients from these practitioners because I would set up relationships with the practitioners that I didn't, sometimes I took over the primary care um, role, but sometimes I would just act as a consultant. But it's because I had the knowledge base of psychiatric medication. I let them do more of the natural stuff and I was just surprised. I was supporting the prescription to be weaned mm -hmm. because ideally you wean from medications. So that's the, so after you find the healer or your guide, is that the next step to start weaning off the medicine up, and how do people do that? First of all, solidify the diet. Secondly, open up the detox channels. Thirdly, map out your target symptoms. Fourthly, start the weaning process. Most people try and go to step four before they've done one through three. And if we're going to be detectives and understand what's working and what's not working, we need to have a very outlined, clear plan. So find the support staff that can map out that plan and then do what makes sense. Get good sleep, exercise, get in the sun, drink good water, eat good food, stop watching shitty TV. I will admit I have not watched Turn On a TV in maybe four no months now. <laughs> it's awesome. been the best thing, <laughs> the best decision I've made. And for a reporter, that speaks pretty highly of yeah, your transition. Yeah. I, I just, I cut it out. Mass media. Yeah. And so, and start, start bringing in optimistic, inspirational influences. Um, one of the things that's most helpful for clients that I get feedback on is I give them a, a list of books, uh, videos, movies, music, meditation styles um, as the their like arsenal for support. Can you think of any good books now that you recommended books and movies? For psychiatrists, I just reread uh, Many Lives and Many Masters. That was 
a phenomenal book for me because I read it during my psychiatric residency and I was studying hypnosis at the time. Completely changed my worldview from a physician standpoint. What about for people thinking of getting off prescription meds? Some some inspirational books and, and movies. Um, yeah, um, the Mood Cure um, is kind of our staple book for supplementation regimen um, at ATMC at Alternative to Meds. We have everybody read that book. It has highlighted uh, chapters on each major symptom cluster. And um, and it's still just a blueprint because in each chapter you're gonna get you know the recommendation of maybe another five supplements. And you're like, well, if I'm reading five chapters and I have kind of everything, I have a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of depression, I don't sleep very well, and now I'm supposed to take 15 supplements? That's not a sustainable model either. That's why you have to have a coach and somebody that's knowledgeable. But people need to do their due diligence too, take personal responsibility, empower themselves through knowledge, and do their homework. So that, and I learned so much from the clients who would come to me with questions. Like I was just reading the mood cure and it says this about this supplement. Should I be on that? Or it says this about this supplement that I'm taking that could be a side effect should I be on that and I mean just like let's get to the collaborative patient centered client centered model and I appreciate that book because it gives a gives a lot of great description uh, and a lot of great um, tools what um, about uh, film film um, that's another you know the, <laughs> The movie that comes to my mind right off the bat would be Shawshank Redemption. Um, actually, I was thinking about that movie last night in, in the dream time for some reason. Maybe I was thinking about this conversation. Um, <laughs> it's a movie about somebody that's wrongly accused of a crime, put in a difficult situation in prison, and reclaims his faith, reclaims his warrior spirit and fucks the system over <laughs> that you know to kind of like get them back and 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 claim his freedom and it was really cool to see that and you just at the end of it when when he's marching out and he's you just you're just filled again with the inspired hope for humanity and that ability that we each have to get busy living or get busy dying and that's what a lot of this process is, getting off of some of these medicines. It is about reclaiming your freedom, your freedom to cure yourself, your freedom, uh, your mental health freedom, your freedom. Because if you're reaching for a prescription bottle every day because you're terrified of the side effects or you need it as a crutch, that's not living free. <laughs> that's yeah. being in the control of, of these medicines. Right. So when people get through these steps and they finally get to the weaning process, do you have any advice for people? Because I think that it's like putting down a bottle of alcohol or, or tobacco. It's, it's almost become an addiction for so many people. How do they finally develop the courage and what can they do to, to finally put, put these prescription bottles Once down? Once you have the whole team in place, and only when you have the whole team in place, because it wouldn't be right for me to say, without the team, do this on your own. So that's the coach, the the, the nutritionist. Yeah, these are examples. Mm -hmm. Whoever whoever that magical team, and it might just be one person. Mm -hmm. It might just be one person who's holding the fire vigil while you're up on the mountain on your vision quest in the dark night. 
and you know that person has got your back and you know that person's a good sounding board and they're going to also give you the tough medicine that might be the feedback that you need like like just deal with it tough it out a little bit longer stay on track you're actually getting better it may not feel like it but from my perspective your mood's a little lighter um, you are actually sleeping a little bit better your um, maybe your mood is 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 actually not better maybe you're actually going through the suffering and that's part of the healing like in homeopathy and in naturopathic medicine oftentimes the symptoms get worse on their way to recovery because the old stuff is coming up so let's push through that let's make sure that you've got support make sure that you're coming back to your faith do your prayer do your meditation watch inspirational movies and videos and, and whatever it is that's going to help you reclaim and stay strong in your faith do that Alan Watts I highly recommend Alan, <laughs> Pima Chodron boom love yeah. the book I, I read Alan totally. Watts' book man The Power of Now yeah Byron Katie's work mm -hmm. uh, The Work um Krishnamurti has been a great yes, teacher for Krishna. me. I love his stuff. Yogananda has been a great teacher. Krishnamurti is so much about mastering the mind and Krish and Yogananda is so much about mastering the heart. Um, Jesus has been a great teacher of mine. And and like, you know, the, the essence of his path and his walk and his dedication and his service and his his surrender. And we we have the and he said this too. All of this I can do, you can do, and more. We have an avatar in each of us. And I think that's why Avatar the movie was so inspiring. That's probably my... F up there with Shawshank Redemption and Charade, because I like Cary Grant and Aubrey Hepburn. <laughs> Those are my three favorite movies, if you just yeah. wanted the top three. Um, we have the ability to reclaim our, our power, our, our divine blueprint. What that blueprint was when we chose to come in. It's not an accident that we're here. We're spiritual beings in a physical body, having a physical experience on the earth plane to learn. This is school. Life is school. We're here to experience phenomena and, and, and experience the compendium and breadth of human phenomena and to be able to be with our shadow and celebrate our light and not get attached too much on either side. Because the only constant is change. And as soon as there's a great there's a great saying in Buddhism, before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. We just do the work and we don't get attached to the highs and we don't get so avoidant of the lows. They're all teaching us something. So we reclaim our faith. We have people and the support around us that help us do that when we're in our dark night and we need that extra oomph. We don't have to do it on our own. That frontier mentality had its place. Most of us come from families where North America, where the United States are not our, that's not our lineage. Our lineage comes from somewhere else. So we're transplants. So there's this frontier mentality that everybody needs a car. Everybody needs a lawnmower. Everybody needs a house. Everybody needs to be self-contained. Well, we're starting to reclaim our cooperative living models in small intentional communities as tribes. 
just like raising a child requires a tribe, going through a dark night requires a tribe. Find your tribe. Whether it's your birth family or your chosen family, find your tribe. Know what your clear outcome measures are. Have a plan. Clean up the diet. Start just living naturally. Spend a lot of time in nature. Most people on on the governance boards of large corporations making crappy decisions for the sustainability of our planet do not have a direct relationship with Mother Nature. That was a huge download that I got from Mother Nature when I was had ingested Wachuma, which is the San Pedro cactus, which puts you on the same vibration as nature, so you can really get downloads and communication from Mother Nature. Mother Nature is a conscious living being. We we forget that. It's it has a consciousness and and one thing that I, I kept hearing from Mother Nature was, please, Amber, help reconnect people to me. People have forgotten about my beauty. People have forgotten about me because mm. they, when they head to work, they head to work in, in their cars and then they walk on these cement sidewalks and go into a building and, and spend all day at a desk and then come home and live in a box. And when do you actually go out and, and touch the earth? and feel that energy from the earth and that communication. Mm -hmm. And and it's spiritually, it's like getting a spiritual refill. When even if you just go out, walk barefoot in a forest for a couple hours, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's incredibly Incredible. effective at improving the mood. And I think that's why we're whole, facing a lot of depression. It, totally. And, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I get this is another point that I get super excited about. Yeah. We're understanding the physiology of being grounded. There's a great book called Grounding. It's either grounding or grounded. And not like when we were kids and we got grounded, but to get re-grounded and earthing. I think actually the book is called Earthing. One or the other. It's a great book about the the science behind actually getting bare skin in contact with the bare earth and the flood of negative ions that reorients the physiology. It decreases the zeta potential in the red blood cells, so the blood is more fluid. It's not as stagnant. It it helps to reorganize and optimize our neuroendocrine system. And the the complement to grounding is floating. And that's another massive joy of mine as far as new technologies that people can do on their own. For free. <laughs> Well, for the most part, I'm thinking about like float tanks, okay, yeah, sensory deprivation tanks, mm -hmm. and that does take a little bit of money, but it's like, um, you know, the, the cost of a, an expensive dinner, um, 50 bucks for an hour or two. Actually, there's a guy in there's a guy named Crash in LA that's giving three hour floats for 40 bucks. Yeah, I floated with Crash. He's, you did. He's, he's not only an interesting guy, but the floating itself was very cathartic, very therapeutic got me in touch with with my soul and really helped quiet my mind totally and it was amazing that, that i only went in for one hour and i came out feeling like i had sat down and been meditating for hours right me too the first time i floated i hit a state of alpha theta brainwave chemistry and the reason i know that is because i've done alpha training with another phenomenal genius named jim hart who's got the most sophisticated neurofeedback program in, again, the, the Western Hemisphere. Um, that was a week-long training. And so I know what that alpha state looks like. And now I remember coming out of the tank, and I was in uh, a D 
deep, consistent, strong alpha state, which in the alpha state is like meditate, it's a meditative state, alert, focused, heart-centered, easy mind, um, very present. I was in an alpha state for about 36 hours after my first float, and I was obviously hooked. And then I started researching float therapy, and float therapy um, takes care of the primary four, well, it, it really helps support, wouldn't be fair to say it totally takes care of all of it all the time. It really supports the four primary reasons that people go see their physicians. Four reasons people go see their physicians is to um, stress manage, to weight manage, to pain manage, and to get off of medications, principally antidepressants. And consistently being in the tank will support the recovery process in doing all four of those completely natural because what it does is it resets the neuroendocrine system. It's the first time since we were conceived that we're completely deprived of external stimuli. And when we're completely deprived of external stimuli, we start to kick in deeper brain states, deeper soulful states. And the, the brain areas that highlight themselves are different, floating and not floating. And so when we're floating in that sensory deprived environment and the neuroendocrine system is rebooted, it's like you, um, it's like you're turning off and on your cell phone. I just recently appreciated the fact that my cell phone updates its operating system each time I turn it on and off. But if I just have it in sleep mode, it's not going to do that because I didn't turn it on or I didn't turn it off. So when I turn off my neuroendocrine system by quieting this prefrontal cortex, by quieting the, the searching part of our um, kind of human brain, it reboots the neurochemistry. So now I'm accessing a new operating system. Again, this is an epigenetic influence for our genetic potential to re-optimize our neurochemistry. So float therapy, if you can get into a tank, will be a massive, massive ally in helping to specifically come off of antidepressant medications. And, and you can just Google flotation tank centers. That they're starting to pop up all over the all country. All over the place. Mainly with this, the help of Joe, Joe Rogan, totally. definitely publicizing them. Uh, you know, he's, he's such an amazing man. And this is. And I, I really think it's becoming the new tanning spas or totally. new yoga centers. Right. These flotation centers. So this just is Google frontier your city. medicine. Yeah. We're seeing the leading edge of a new renaissance in frontier medicine. One of those pillars is flotation therapy. And so that would be like the, maybe the fourth part, you know, clean up the diet, um, get in nature, get a coach, um, start floating and map out your goals. And then once you've got all of that done, then a good rule of thumb is with medication, try 10% reductions at a time. And on a quicker, and again, this this would be a fairly conservative approach because I cold turkey, you know, coming off of Silert, which is a cousin of Ritalin when I had narcolepsy because I didn't want to be on it anymore. You cold turkey your antidepressants after not being on for so long. Yeah, but it gave me, I, I felt like I was having seizures totally. and I'd get, I'd get tremors right. going through my body right. and, and, and it was really scary. 
that's another reason to float mm. because floating in that magnesium sulfate ideally we have the whole trace mineral compendium um, that's very calming floating is very calming to the nervous system and some of the some of the medications are more prevalent in that um, like hyper aroused neurochemical re rebound the neurochemistry is waking up essentially and so that can feel like charges electrical zaps um, really intense like mini seizures of sorts um, floating is super therapeutic and calming and restful for the neurochemistry as well as taking things like um, lecithin essential fat so if the neurochemistry is super hot then you want things that are going to calm it down and insulate it this is while you're weaning yourself off right okay so. insulate the neurochemistry rebuild the neurochemistry and there are a lot of good foods for that supplements for that rebuilding the neurochemistry largely oftentimes means recoding it with a healthy fat substance like the myelin sheath the myelin sheath in the nervous system works as the insulation it, like like in a in a house if you didn't have insulation you have all these bare copper wires you're going to get a fire eventually or you're going to blow your circuits and so as opposed to doing either of those start rebuilding with good neurochemical rebuilding foods and supplements coconut oil is amazing fish oil is amazing you omega-3 fatty acids most people need more omega-3s because they have too many they have an imbalance in sixes and nines an excess of sixes and nines so it'd be like do omega-3s for three months and then get on a balanced formula of three sixes and nines this is again just a, a rough sketch because when when you're really taught and and for women particularly that does change during the menstrual cycle for a couple of weeks um, you need predominantly um, omega-3s and then for a couple of weeks you need predominantly omega-6s and nines um, but these are just general themes rebuild it's always a good idea to rebuild omega-3s do that for a good 90 days and then get on a balanced formula lecithin lecithin is super helpful for rebuilding the nervous system and neurochemistry um, egg yolks are a good source of lecithin um, nutritional yeast is a good source of lecithin although some people don't tolerate it very well because of candida issues um, high quality nutritional yeast though doesn't um, doesn't inflame candida these are all more discussion points um, about peculiarities but what other things are helpful herbs are helpful st. John's word is actually really helpful for rebuilding the nervous system It's great for neuropathic pain it's also a natural antidepressant um, you somebody could potentially wean on to st. John's word as they were weaning off of their prescription antidepressant um, other or so all of the things that are calming to the nervous system valerian root hops chamomile passion flower kava kava um, research these understand what their profiles are work with an herbalist or a practitioner that you can bounce these ideas and discussion points off of um, don't call me just yet because I'm in the jungle and I'm going to be here for a few months. <laughs> but down the road, I'll give you my contact info. Um, what else? Great water. Um, trace minerals. 
switch from crappy table salt to Himalayan crystal salt or Celtic sea salt. Um, trace minerals are, are super important. One of the most common reasons people have heart palpitations, which can can manifest also as anxiety, is um, trace mineral imbalance. And so magnesium is extraordinarily effective, but you have to take the right kind of magnesium at the right dose in the right combination with other minerals. Um, B vitamins are great, but B vitamins for somebody with anxiety can be do stimulating. B vitamins for somebody with depression can be really helpful because B vitamins largely support most of the neurochemistry. Uh, vitamin C, a good food source vitamin C. There's an amazing company that is probably my favorite company because of the supplements they make are whole foods based and they're made with a lot of intention and a lot of love and this company is called Lifestar and they're also in Sedona interestingly enough they're about two two blocks away from where I've been living and um, and they're an amazing company they work really in in helping people repair their immune system and so they work with a lot of um, clients um, who would have the symptomatology and the official medical diagnosis of cancer and AIDS. Um, they, they would not say that they cure those, and, and I wouldn't say that they do either. It wouldn't be fair to do that. Um, but they, they are extraordinarily effective at helping to repair and rebuild the immune system. And um, largely, that's through repairing the gut and the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. And one of their flagship products is called Genesis. And uh, Genesis is an amazing uh, probiotic rice bran um, food base that has natural probiotics, B vitamins, essential fatty acids, trace minerals, and micro macronutrients. Um, that's a great foundation product. I'd say 90% of the clients I work with, I have them on um, Genesis. I'll have them on, um, also their food source vitamin C is amazing. Um, and vitamin C is just also so good for rebuilding the immune system. Um, I have people get grounded and get grounding sheets for their beds and start to dissipate this electromagnetic static that we're, that we're experiencing consistently because in every major city at any given moment, if you've got your computer and you open up to your available networks, you've got between five and 50 available networks. It's a Wi-Fi haze that we're living in. And so we walk around with this static charge. And so getting grounded and floating are great ways to dissipate that energy as well as sleeping on grounded sheets. This is some of the most amazing technology that's come out in the last 10 years. Let's talk a little bit about the weaning off process. You had mentioned yeah. that you recommend people use 10% less of mm -hmm. their medications. Is that 10% less each week? Each week. Each week. Now, so they could get until, off in about 10 weeks. Right. And, and, many, and, and the reason I'm, I'm really painting all the supportive um, cast of characters is because when you do all of this foundational work, your chance of success after that 10-week and some people might need a little longer and they're more comfortable taking it every other week, 20-week process, your chances of success are exponentially higher. And it is not 
uh, my desire to set people up for failure. It's my extraordinary desire and privilege and excitement to set people up for success. They take their own health in their, their own hands. They personally re-empower themselves to reclaim their life, to reclaim their faith, to have a few very potent and very targeted supports. And when you reclaim your faith in the midst of improvement and success, it anchors it. It anchors the new operating system for life, the new engagement with life. To know that we've come out of this darkness and this haze with a fervor for life again. Suffering redeems us to our innocence. It has a purpose. And then we get to see when we've come through, sometimes we get pissed off on the other side, like, that fucking system? Why haven't I heard this before? I thought that about allopathic medicine when I first got into holistic medicine. I thought that the morning after my first ayahuasca ceremony. (laughs) I, I shed many tears for the people, so many hundreds and thousands of people I've seen suffering from depression and other mental illnesses who... I, I felt so guilty that I was able to get that healing and they weren't. And I, I couldn't believe, I, I just imagined my life, had I known about psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca when I was 15, you know, how much different my life would have been. But as you mentioned, suffering has a place. It, it built strength. It, it dissolved my fear. And and so everything has, has a purpose. But I, I think something that's amazing about these plant medicines is their ability and the next steps to purge that trauma, that childhood trauma or any traumas that we may be carrying uh, very effectively. And, and I think that's often the reason many people are on, as you mentioned, antidepressants and these medications is that they haven't found a way to deal with this trauma. Yeah. What do you think about, about ayahuasca's and ayahuasca's ability or not other natural plants you know of as well to really help do that next phase and that's purging that trauma? Well, now you're getting further down the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're getting into more of the magic. Yeah. And life is magic. Um, Medicine is magic. Alchemy is magic. And when we know how to do it well, and you see um, the Pieta. I had never cried as a a young man. Um, I hadn't, you know, since I was a kid, until I saw the Pieta. Went to the Vatican and just wept oh or the Sistine Chapel or when you see works of art that just bring us to our knees in humility and reverence the natural world can do that just going out in nature and seeing how amazing the sunrise is and the sunsets and rainbows and we are in the midst of magic now we can bring a scientific approach to magic and that's when it gets really sexy and awesome because we're really starting to bridge both hemispheres, our heart and our minds, our heart that's engaged in magic and our minds that, that are investigatory and want to understand the science. And we reclaim our connection with source and our spirit. That's when all this gets super juicy. And talking about the deeper work with ayahuasca is where the magic is for me. Well, we can talk about neurochemistry all day, but the juice is under that. And one thing just to mention in regards to the neurochemistry I didn't say earlier is ayahuasca does work as a natural antidepressant. It works as an MAOI, like we were talking about. So you get 
extra uh, benefit. You get extra neurotransmitter support. But how is that any different than the antidepressants? Because they do the same thing. Well, ayahuasca also seems to have this ability for rebooting the brain's ability to produce its own neurotransmitter stores more quickly, more effectively, long-standing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right. That's and magic. That's massive magic. And we're not totally sure how or why that happens. And incidentally, most people aren't totally sure why many of the medications work the way they do, particularly the psychiatric medications. Um, and so we have a lot of hypotheses. Uh, I think it actually rehabilitates the neurochemical receptors. I think it scrubs the neurochemistry clear. Uh, iboga is also like this in regards to opiate addiction. Um, o iboga is legal in Canada and Mexico for opiate addiction. Most Which is another horrible epidemic we're facing in the U.S. It's the most I spent abused. Too many years covering. You know, totally. Yeah. You know it. You know it first. You know it from the trenches. I knew shit hit the fan when I was standing in a NICU in East Tennessee. They had doubled the size of the NICU just to deal with babies that were being born addicted to these prescription opioids. And I, I watched as a baby had just arrived, had just been born, just rushed to the NICU. And I, I watched as this baby was turning bright red, screaming, going through withdrawal, as a person would go through heroin withdrawal. And I watched the nurses insert a tube of morphine into this baby's veins. And at that point, that's when I realized we yeah. have a major nightmare of a problem, a prescription pain p kill, killer addiction in the U.S. that we're, we're going to have to address. And that's another, yet another, I always wondered, why do I keep getting these stories as a journalist? And now it all makes sense, because yeah, now sense. I understand the value of Ibogaine and, and these natural plants. Right, these are all stepping stones for you to, to get empowered in your mission to share this information. And that's why I appreciate so much what you're doing you're open sourcing the information. This is our collective reclamation. This is our humanity remembering its potential, mm -hmm. helping each other out, and understanding that our trials and tribulations are stepping stones to our greatest work. And so, yeah, iboga is amazing. The iboga is the whole plant. Ibogaine is the parent compound synthesized from iboga, kind of like mescaline is the primary component in wachuma. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of research being done, whether we're aware of it or not, trying to understand what the principal component of ayahuasca is and try and synthesize that. Um, when iboga goes into the opiate uh, receptors, it scrubs them clean completely. And that's why um, you can have people go through a rapid detox um, and have a complete reorientation of their addictive neurochemistry rebooted to a new operating system without any addiction residue like that after one or two ceremonies without withdrawal symptoms without withdrawal symptoms and if it gets dicey then in that's why go to somebody who I wouldn't do this at home or ordered online go to a center invest in your health and recovery find the money go to a center where they do it well and be done with it and that's a choice. I and always find it amazing that people are, they'll spend thousands of dollars on a car 
<laughs> or on, on a new TV, but when it comes to their health, they're like, oh, that's a little too expensive to go yeah. down and try ayahuasca or oh, ibogaine. But I, I'm going to continue to shoot up Xanax every day. But I, I'm, you know, right. when it comes to taking care of myself, my own health, I, I can't fork over the money. And so much of that is recovering underneath our self worth and our self empowerment and being able to deal with our shadow because people have to be ready to stop numbing out to get sober. Um, that happened for me. I was addicted to alcohol for, well, I was binge drinking as a, as a teenager and a, you know, growing up in rural South Texas, that's just what we did. Um, and then I was a daily pot smoker for years and I was numbing myself out because I wasn't so connected to my medical training. Um, it helped me kind of get through the process. And it also initially was medicine for me. Marijuana is an amazing medicine, but there's a stickiness in her energy profile. So she, it can get addictive really quick. She opened up my worldview. She opened up my creativity. Um, she opened up my connection with my body, with my connection to music. But over time, I stopped using it as sacrament and I started using it as a crutch. And that's when it became an addiction. And I had to be super clear with the support um, of my partner at the time and an, a recognition that I, my brain was not functioning to, to its capacity. And if I'm here to do good work in the world, I need to be on. So I decided to get uh, clean and sober. So a lot of my shit started coming up. And when I got clean and sober, I spent a year in an ashram, essentially. The Tree of Life is a is a raw food detoxification center in South Arizona, uh, near pretty close to Mexico, and Gabriel Cousins runs that place. And it's essentially set up like an ashram. It's a very spiritual center. Um, I started doing a lot of fasting, and I became the medical director there for two years because I wanted to look at my stuff out of relationship and clean and sober. And... So Iboga does that, coming back to Iboga, from, for opiates. It's my belief that ayahuasca does that for uh, the antidepressant profile of the neurochemistry. It helps upregulate, again, the serotonin system, optimize its relationship with dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. And so when done well, at the right time, at the right place, with the right support, the success rate in in clinical trials at individual centers where I've gone and I've sat with the medicine holders and I'm not going to name any because I don't want to use this as a media ploy for anybody trying to sell their work. I've done a lot of the homework. The success rate over time with good consistent follow-up is on the order of 80 to 90% effective helping people come off antidepressants with long-term benefit and mood improvement stabilized over time. That's pretty impressive. Iboga is the same for opiates and opiate addiction. At 80 to 90% success rate, stabilized over time. And if you need to, then you come back in like three to six months for a reboot, not next week, not next month take 90 days of integration minimum probably more like four to six months of integration and then come back because it's going to take the system that long to re-equilibrate to the new operating system the integration of the shadow material 
and and then on the appreciation of not using ayahuasca or iboga or something else outside of us as another crutch some people do that with ayahuasca and they sit all the time and they keep replaying the same story in their minds and they're only able to get so far and ayahuasca for me has been a launching pad she's not my ceiling she was my next step to understanding how to access faith how to reclaim my strength how to reclaim my connection to source and the connection to earth to reclaim my inner divinity my my prayer my meditation all these other things that are equally as important and so when we start to understand that these medicines are super potent and there is science behind the magic and you're not going to hear most docs talking about that you're certainly not going to hear the pharmaceutical industry talking about that why is iboga legal in Canada and not in the states Exactly. Whereas Canada has oftentimes quite a bit more regulation, particularly around supplementation. Why is that? Is because Canada has a socialized healthcare system. And it is ex opiate addiction is expensive on the social strata and community economy economy. And so with socialized systems, there's more of an investment to get people off of medication. Whereas in our capitalistic system, it's more beneficial to the pharmaceutical industry to have all of East Tennessee addicted to prescription painkillers. And I, I think it's a human rights tragedy that we're not only is the system creating generations of addicts, it's also saying, oh, the, the key to your freedom, this natural medicine that's not neurotoxic, it's not addictive, called iboga, is illegal. We're not. We're not, We're. We're going to hook you, get you addicted, and then not allow you to to get yourself better. And it's 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 in the land of the free. I, I think that is a huge infraction totally. <laughs> on our freedom, and it's it's a tragedy. And and it, it it hurts my heart to know that so many are out there suffering needlessly when there are these medicines out there. But the beauty is you can access them, and as you and I are doing now down in Peru, uh, we've been able to access ayahuasca. It's legal here. Ibogaine's legal in, like you said, Canada, Mexico. Wachuma. Wachuma. Psilocybin. There's an amazing study on psilocybin by Johns Hopkins that um, followed people after one experience with psilocybin. And it was something like 60, 70%. Again, don't quote me on the numbers, but a significant portion of people said it was one of the top six months down the road. It was one of the top five spiritual experiences they've ever had. They saw it and experienced it as resoundingly beneficial with no recognizable side effects. Powerful, right? So MDMA is being very effective at healing war veterans from PTSD, from psychological trauma. So there is a phenomenal richness in the ethnobotany and antheogenic potential of these medicines and so yes when we're when we're cut when we're caught up and I've been this way too at times in the past caught up in my own greed caught up in my own self-centeredness caught up in my own egotistic view of the world not so oriented to service it's a it's that's another part of our human redemption 
So I can understand why the pharmaceutical industry is set up the way it is. It's designed to make money and they're good at it. Um, I do believe that that can be, the, the downside is that um, it's at the expense of um, a large part of our, our human quality of life. Mm-hmm. I do believe that can be brought into balance. I think there's a great healing potential between our collective humanity reawakening to its divine self and the, the, pro, the appropriate and proper use of pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals have their sacred place at the table. Allopathic medicine has its sacred place at the table. And when I broke my neck, um, I'm glad that I went to the ER. I'm glad they stabilized the fracture. I'm glad I wore a halo. I started with, I started med school. My my med school ID that I had for four years was me in the halo. <laughs> that was always a great, and it was a great discussion point right away with clients. They would see that picture, and, and all of a sudden, there wasn't a physician-patient hierarchy. It was like, okay, we're just in life. What happened to your neck? What's that cage on your head? It was, this is mm. great. It was, and it was a great, Recalibration. So we have this ability, and I know it's happening, and that makes me really excited. And that makes me excited even more about what we're doing together here, you and I, championing your cause and open sourcing this information. Uh, I myself am coming on line with more available information in this regard. I've, I've largely been in the lab. I've been doing my own self-work. I've been hunkered down in the trenches. I've been studying a lot, I've been researching a lot, and I haven't yet been ready to come out on a larger stage, and that's gonna happen. And this is a reflection of that. I've, I've been knowing that this is gonna be building for a while, and that makes me really excited. And I also knew I wasn't ready at the time because I really wanted to come out with as much information from the best holistic perspective as I could with as much humility and integrity as has been gained um, and offered to me over these last uh, seven years or so since really going through my own beautiful trials and my beautiful dark night and just know that it's purposeful. People being numbed out to prescription medication is part of our rebalancing of our humanity. Everybody is a part of that. And to get rebalanced to our humanity also means getting rebalanced to Mother Nature because that's where we all come from. She is our collective mother. And the way that we as a humanity have been treating her is essentially robbing, raping, pillaging, spitting on her, shitting on her, ignoring her, shaming her. It's horrible. It's fucking horrible what we've been doing as a collective humanity. And I think we're starting to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, she'll continue. We won't. We will not continue as the dominant species. She will survive. We've been through this process before. You've had premonitions of the floods. I've had premonitions of the desert. I had a waking dream on Mother's Day, this last Mother's Day, of barren landscape. I was I was with a, a sapling, as with a young tree. It may have been ayahuasca vine. I don't really remember. I was with in the dreamscape. I was with, and I don't have lucid dreams. It's not something that 
happens a whole lot for me. But it was very poignant that it happened on Mother's Day. I was in the forest under the jungle canopy, and I was lo I was looking at this small tree about the size of my forearm, and I had X-ray eyes, and I could see into it, and I could see all the channels of nutrients, the xylem and the phloem, from a botany standpoint, just doing its magic, and life is magic, and I was really appreciating. We have this communion, and I was stone cold sober, by the way. I was just in nature. And that's what happens when we get in nature. We get into the magic, and we don't need medicine. But when we do both, it's like, wow. But I was sober, and I was sober. And I'm communing with this, with this beautiful plant. And it gets all of a sudden dramatically and abruptly ripped out of the ground right in front of me. Like since six inches from my face, it got ripped out of the ground. I was like, what the hell was that? And then... I hovered, I went directly above about a hundred feet over the jungle landscape and hovered to see what was happening. And it was this f army of scratchers, these big bulldozing insect kind of machines scratching and tearing out the whole jungle floor. Mm -hmm. All the trees, all the vegetation, everything. And I was on the leading edge that, that that whole army of scratchers was moving towards me 100 feet above. And in its wake was desolation, desert, nothing. Well, sand. <laughs> and And I got really pissed off. Really, like somebody, like I was watching somebody mug my mother. And then I got psychically um, transported to the boardroom where the corporate machine was making this decision. And people, you and I, our moms and dads, our brothers and sisters, asleep, numb, completely disconnected people were making this decision. And I got so fucking mad. And through spit and piss and venom I just went off you have no fucking idea the ramifications the horror the planetary holocaust that you're directing right now and how fucking insensitive for your own greed for your own ego-centered righteousness you're making these decisions, and I just, a flood of anger and, and horror just poured out of me. And then I just stormed out of there. And as I was storming out, and I, <laughs> I kicked the door open, and the door was just about to close behind me, I heard claps. I heard an applause coming from, that, coming from a few people in that boardroom because they had just woken up and their spirits had just woken up and took control of the driver's seat again and I woke up from that dream with my activist re-engaged and I almost went back to sleep and I was like shit if I go back to sleep then I'm just going back to sleep for her and, and what a travesty to lose the juice of that activation so I got up got my computer out wrote it all down and um, that's now a blog post in the making mm -hmm. and um, 
And that is happening for each of us. You saw the floods. I saw the desert. And we're getting a sense of where our potential humanity is taking us because this corporate kind of pillaging of of the earth is not sustainable. No, and it's it's not working and, and that's been a common download I get because a beauty of these plants medicines is that they do enable you in some ways to communicate and be on the same vibration as mother nature. So sometimes after you, for those who aren't familiar with the plant medicines, after you ingest them, you kind of enter a dreamlike state and and at some points I've I've actually felt like I was communicating with Mother Nature. I, I was actually told different things, um, potential things that may happen in the future that may not, but a, a common vision I keep getting, whether it's symbolic or whether it's something that's actually going to happen, is visions of, of massive floods and, and Mother Nature pretty much saying that unless you guys turn things around as soon as possible, this could be the potential outcome because it's just an immune system response. I can't continue. I love humanity. I'm here to embrace you and love you, but this can't continue the way it's going. And and so that's been very profound for me. And another insight I, I keep being given on these medicines is that remind people to get connected. Reconnect people with my beauty. Remind them that a flower, a rainbow, a tornado, a hurricane, a, a palm tree is way more advanced and incredible. A, a bee pollinating a flower is way more advanced and incredible than any technology man of invents ever will be. Go outside and just look at the magnificence of a flower and, and think, could we ever even in our wildest dreams create something that naturally grows that's that beautiful? And I, I think it's really important for people to get back out in nature. Spend at least a couple hours a week. Take your shoes off. Go out. Let your feet touch the ground. Just smell the air, sit silent, get get that download and reconnect yourself. And that's why we're facing so many problems. As you said in that boardroom, those people were disconnected. Mm. We've just been completely disconnected by technology. And and I think that disconnection is also leading to our mental illness. And and so I, I one of the most profound things I've done in life and, and I'm, I've been the most happy is is I sold most of my stuff. I, I got all of my, I just completely disconnected from capitalism and material objects that were causing me more anxiety than happiness. You'll never find happiness in a car. It's just going to cause you more anxiety because now you're worrying about getting it scratched, paying for it, getting a speeding ticket. And and I got rid of most of my belongings and I'm literally living out of pretty much two suitcases right now. We're sitting here in the jungle, barefoot, <laughs> constantly just walking around being connected with Mother Nature. And I, I can't stop smiling. My soul is filled. This is gasoline, you know, fuel for the soul, fuel for, ha fuel for happiness. And another thing I did too is I didn't buy into all the bullshit and the debt and saying that I constantly need to work and buy all this shit that I don't need. And, and I don't have any debt. And for me, that's freedom mm -hmm. because so many of us are living in a world of serfdom because we're just constantly paying back this debt. So start working now, start following your passion, start reconnecting with nature, start remembering that the, our, the entire foundation our society is built around in the West is, is false. The reality where you're gonna find true happiness is in a simple lifestyle, reconnecting with Mother Earth. And, and I'm sure it's very beneficial for the brain as well. Oh yeah, massively. Uh, for so many different reasons, I and mean, again, we could talk about it neurochemically, but I think even deeper than that is the spiritual reconnection. Um, 
healing our heart, recognizing that there's more than just us. <laughs> How easy is it for me to get stuck in my own little world? I and mean, when I'm out in nature, I'm like, wow, this is, there's a lot more going on than just me. And how do my actions affect my environment, generations to come? And I think it's one of the reasons that we, we were all so excited about the movie Avatar. And we were all so optimistic about Obama and his administration helping us to reclaim our hope. There was a big, their tagline when he was yeah. getting his inauguration was, we are one. Well, I don't know about that so much, I mean, from their perspective, but Avatar was like a reclamation of our warrior, but the thing that tipped the scale in the end is that Pandora Gaia, um, Yahweh, is that her, was that her name? In the spirit oh, of the I don't earth? Remember. Yeah, Awa. Awa. Awa, she called the cavalry in, right? We were about to lose the fight. The machine was about to take out the tribe, but Awa called the animals in. So Mother Nature called for an intervention. So your vision about the floods makes a lot of sense to me because Mother Nature will call for the intervention. She will do her best as all living organisms do to maintain homeostasis. If we're doing things that are out of alignment like fracking and deep oil drilling and these crazy making things to humanity, like cutting down most of the rainforest. Oh, How crazy. So the most all of single-handedly the most magnificent organism on earth. <laughs> it's the lungs of the earth. And we're shitting yeah. on it and cutting it away. It's what we need to breathe. Right. I mean, who does that? Who thinks that's a, who thinks <laughs> that's a good idea? Only humanity could, right. could, could do something like that. So, yeah, as for the lungs of our planet, how about we take out one and a half of our lungs? Let's take out the left and, and then maybe the right lobe. And then on top of that, let's smoke. And then let's see how well we live. Then let's see how much we're able to connect to our divinity. We can't connect to our divinity when we're in survival mode. And most people are caught up in survival. And you're inviting people, as am I, to come down to a more simple way of living. And that's why when you like the movie Happiness, or I think it's actually just called Happy. There's Happy. a book Happy. And there's a, there's a book Happiness and there's a movie Happy. Mm -hmm. And the movie Happy is about positive psychology. And the benefit of actually living simply in the cultures that are the, 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 that are the most satisfied with their life, that are the happiest, are also the simplest. You see that down here, right? Our neighbors totally. here, the villages, the kids are just running around all day barefoot playing soccer. And, and they're living very simple lives without electricity, without all these uh, video games, all these prescription medications. And we were walking through a village and I heard someone in our ayahuasca group say oh it's so sad the way these people are living we need to bring in uh, electricity and we need to clean up their lifestyle and i said what do you mean this is what? sad look how happy these kids are look right. at the sense of community right you know they they have food they have they have clean water and and then it really i just saw them stop and really think oh yeah wow there's a lot we can learn from these quote-unquote primitive cultures that probably <laughs> would laugh at us if they would see our overweight children 
sitting inside all day in a box playing a video game jacked up on Adderall or Ritalin. I mean, that to me is tragic. The lifestyle down here, the simple, beautiful native lifestyle is, is something I'm trying to learn from. They know what's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so how do we do that at home? How do we come back to a more simple way of living at home? Well, spend time in nature, get rid of most of your shit, stop watching the TV. Yeah, even as a television journalist, I'm telling you, just get movies, get okay. documentaries, turn stop, off that TV. Stop, crap. stop watching the news. Maybe yeah. there's may, there might be some redeeming quality. I haven't watched the TV in probably a decade. There may be some good stuff on there. There are a lot of great movies, a lot of great documentaries. For sure, documentaries. Get really connected to conscious media, mm-hmm. conscious media network, uh, Gaia TV. Um, get connected to things that are inspiring. That when we wrap that up, we feel really good about ourselves and really good about humanity and what our potential is. Um, the more I've gotten connected to those avenues of inspiration, the more consistently I get turned on. And I'm more turned on than I've ever been. I'm also cleaner and simpler than I've ever been. I'm also more humble than I've ever been. And, and, I, and I can trust my power because I'm coming from a place of integrity. These are the things that create harmony. And I have a kanji on my back. It's my one tattoo. And oftentimes I'm asked what that symbol means. And it means harmony. And I got that in my intern year of residency. When, wow, well, talk about a, a non-harmonious year. The inter- so as an intern, you just graduated medical school. You have an MD, but you don't know shit. And you're, you're trying to act like you do. You're the lowest man on the totem pole. Even the medical schools, medical students are, top, are treated better. You're not getting sleep. I was drinking a lot of alcohol, I was very disconnected, and I was drawn to get this tattoo. I really didn't even know the substance of the meaning. And it's harmony, and, and, and the reclamation of all that we're talking about in this discussion is reestablishing harmony in as many different ways that we can do that throughout our lives and accessing these kinds of like-minded, like-hearted, like-spirited connections in our tribe, coming back into association and connection with nature Mother Earth and our sense of spirit and this is our birthright and this is our opportunity it is our collective birthright every single person all right well on that we'll end in a harmonious way and I I can't thank you enough Dan for coming on the podcast and Mm. you're you're a warrior you're a pioneer and you're someone to be admired, and I hope people listening are inspired to follow your path. When you know a system isn't working, don't try to go in and fix it. Create a new system, and, and that's what you're doing, and, uh, and it's admirable, and I, I hope some people listening are inspired to take their health in their own hands and know that Mother Nature has generously and lovingly provided us with a cure for nearly all of our ailments. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really wonderful to, to try to explore that. It gives people a lot of hope because they, they've lost hope. That's the biggest problem. People feel like there's no hope. They've tried every prescription medication. Nothing's working. They're, they, they feel trapped. And there is a way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. How can people get a hold of you or read your work or connect with you online if, if they want to mm-hmm. uh, be in touch with you after the podcast? I have recently started a new blog site, um, largely dis- kind of discussing each of these individual facets that we just talked about at a bit more depth um, online called Mastery in Medicine. Mastery in Medicine.com? Yep. 
All right. Yep. So you can Google that. Um, it's it's in its early stages now, and I've got a slew of articles and posts in the hopper um, that I'll probably be getting to in the next few months once I get out of the deep jungle. <laughs> and um, and then also um, uh, working on an integration program, integration guidelines for the antheogenic experience, because people oftentimes coming out of an antheogenic experience or any kind of reawakening experience may not have the tools and techniques to be able to internalize and support that new operating system. And um, so largely a lot of what we're talking about also is the same true for people coming off antidepressants, like they're getting reawoken and now how do we re-engage life and, and how do we recreate the, the, the environment that supports the new system. So. That's the nutshell. I know a lot more is going to come through, and I'm stoked for that. And I'm stoked to continue our collaboration and, sure. and totally champion what you're doing and and uh, and how you've been also deeply on the front lines and using all of your experience to create uh, empowered knowledge that becomes wisdom that recreates harmony in people's lives. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Look forward to having you on the podcast in the future when you get out of the jungle. Awesome. Thanks, right. Amber. Yeah.